Trust me, I didn't know what was going to happen. I am in Buffalo. (laughs) Like, it's great. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a storyteller, performer, actress, one-person show doer, and is four feet, ten and a half inches tall, (laughs) which is my favorite fact on her website. It's Grace Aki, everybody. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And that is a true fact. Yes. I would assume you wouldn't lie about that. That your, is uh, technically back in the day, that was legal uh, uh, small person status. Really? And wow. Yeah, that I could have gotten scholarships and I didn't apply. Oh, that was <laughs> like very an idiot. well. That was very big of you. And Grace has a podcast called Tell Me on a Sunday, all about stories, which we'll certainly get to. But we'll talk about that in a minute because we're actually here oh. tonight to talk about... Fun Home! been looking forward to this for quite a bit because i starved myself of the album for the last like i don't know month that we've talked you know recording and then was like i'm gonna binge the whole thing the day of um and so i because i wanted to revisit it sure fresh fresh as a new woman there you se. go. As an adult Allison, per se. Ah, the regular Allison. Because I guess she's not uh, big anymore. Allison, right? She's just, there's Allison, medium and small. Just regular. What is it like du- Duckling Donna? Like the Donna Summer, the three of oh, them? Oh, yeah. Or the right? shares. We should call it Duckling. Duckling Allison? Yeah. Duckling Grace? Uh, so how did, yeah. how did Fun Home come into your life? Oh, God. Oh, upsettingly so. I remember it on Broadway um, and I was going through a time, which I feel like I'm, you know what, at this point, this is embarrassing. I'm always going through a time. Uh, I don't like that about me right now. But (laughs) I will say a couple of years ago when when it came onto the scene, uh, I was, uh, my friend said, you've got to see that show. And then some traumatic things happened in my personal life. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I should apply for the lottery. I won the lottery. Mm. Um, And then my friend who was working, I think for like three, two, one theatricals or something, because that was, I think who was in charge of it um, in the circle in the square. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got me to see it. And, and just, just for like full disclosure without being like, let's bring it down. Um, th- uh, things happen in the, in the, in the play fun home that also happened in my life. <laughs> and so I went, no, but I also went, this is maybe my favorite thing I've ever seen. Uh, and then I was just totally addicted to the story. And then um, Alison Bechdel's work. And then, uh, you know, of course, I like, got really obsessed with her graphic novel work mm-hmm. and just like all around, um, but got so obsessed with like dykes to watch out for after the fact. And I'm so glad that this is, this was the way to open those floodgates for me for all of her work. And then also other graphic novelists and how, how we can perceive work like that into the musical canon because i don't think that that's been done since Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's even being entertained (laughs) um you know because i think when we think of that people go like oh well they did like spider-man which is like based on comics and i'm like okay that is also a true fact but shut your brain but no and like at the same time time, absolutely not Right. So all that to say is that, like, I saw the show and then I was like, I think that this is one of the most important pieces of theater I'll ever experience. And then became such a fan of of everyone involved. Um, Janine, like every aspect of that show. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's remarkable. So you should know, probably listeners to the show may know that. So for my my hundredth guest episode, uh, I was the guest of this podcast and this was the show I picked. (laughs) just like you just described like i i saw i saw it on the tonys oh wow was just knocked out by it immediately bought the album 
um, was yeah. knocked out by that. And then I don't normally do this sort of thing, but I was sort of, I, I said to my wife, like, we're going to see this. And we're going to see this with this cast. Like, I, I have to see this with this that's right. group of people. I don't normally get so obsessed about seeing original casts, star vehicles mm-hmm. and stuff aside. But like, I was really like, no, this, I have to see Judy Kuhn, the queen, long may she reign, and, uh, and Michael Cerveris do this on stage. And Sydney Lucas, I definitely wanted to see, because like, she'll never be this age again. Like, this is, <laughs> this is when she's doing this oh, part. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was a, and it was, it was a remarkable it's one of the best theatrical experiences of my life. I mean, there's absolutely no question seeing this seeing this show. And so you didn't know anything about it before you saw it or you knew a little bit about it before you saw it? What was the No. I didn't know what was going to happen because if I did, I probably wouldn't have picked that <laughs> time in my life to go. I told I've told the story of the podcast before, but when I went to see it, I had by the time I saw it, listened to the album five or six, you know, thousand times, um and read the book. And actually, yeah, I think I'd read yeah. both books. I think I'd read Are You My Mother, too, at that point. Oh, and God. So I yeah. was primed. I was really, like, I was deep in. But it was sold out. It was a full house. And I noticed yeah. behind me, before the show started, these two, you know, women of a certain age were talking about seeing the show and had no idea what it was about. They were only seeing it because it had won Best Musical at the Tonys. And they were just talking about that. Like, we saw this, oh, and God. that was fun. And I was sort of sitting there being like, okay, you're you're in for an evening. And then it got to, I'll never forget this, they got to the part in Days. Uh, days and days and days, that's how it happens. Days and days and days, made of lunches and car rides and shirts and socks and grades and piano and no one clocks the day you disappear days and days and days that's how it happens days and days and days made of posing and bragging and fits of rage and boys my god some of them underage and oh how did it all happen These two women like sending me burst into tears behind me, just absolutely died. They had no idea like how to process what was happening. It was one. I mean, they were so happy. Like they had a great night, which I was a little bit nervous about. I was like, oh man, like this is going to be, this could be rough or this could be great. And luckily for them and for all of us, it was great. I'm telling you, I have been behind in front of adjacent to said two women uh-huh. that are just at a show. Right. Like, did you see Darlene Grenadine? No. At, um, it was, it was so short, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the show was deaf about alcoholism and like, seemed like a sweet musical, but then also like devastatingly. So, and these two women that were sitting in front of me and my, my group of, of lady friends that I was with. And then like halfway through, they're like, Oh, this is darker than we thought. <laughs> So I just I want to follow these two women. <laughs> follow them around. That I've just yeah. Who are these people who have the money to just go see shows? That's what I want to know. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're a true theater fan, you don't, right? You don't have the That's money right. to go see the shows. A thousand percent. Oh my gosh. Uh, so what did? Without getting yeah. too into it, or getting into it as much as you want to, frankly, what? Yeah. How? That dichotomy is really interesting to me. That that you mean you saw the show, you were you were you were seeing things that had happened in your life in front of you, and also like tangentially related things. But it still grabbed you enough to you know get the album. You didn't walk out. You know you stuck with it, and it's it's a big. So what 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 was the was that a process? Kind of like did it was like take a couple of days for you to be like, no, I really had a good time watching that, or was it like immediate this sort of mix of emotions as you were sitting in the in circle in the square. That's funny. I think I think I was like immediately addicted to it in like mm. a therapeutic way. Mm. And I don't mean to say that um, musicals are therapy because therapy is therapy and I will fight you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people are like therapy, I'm like, it's not. No, it's, not. <laughs> it's $140 or you got to leave. Um, <laughs> but like I I was obsessed with the idea that like especially a woman was talking through and singing through father and then her former selves. I loved the idea that like I could hear the dialogue through the music, which I think that you probably also love about that album. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I 
when I looked up the track listings, I was like, I want to hear it. I want to take that journey the whole top to bottom. Um, so I think that that was, that was the big thing for me was like knowing that the, uh, the entire album was kind of encompassing of the show and not just like, it all comes back. It all comes back right, <laughs> like, I'm not over there, right. you know, being like, well, this is, this is about a map. Well, yeah. and it's really, I, one thing I noticed when I saw the show in the playbill, which is very unusual, is that there's no songs listed in the playbill. It's just the show because this, this show is not, there's a lot of, there's songs, there's absolutely songs, there's songs you could sing in your cabaret and there's songs you can sing in, you know, for auditions and all that. But there's also Mm -hmm. a lot of songlets and song scenes like Helen's Etude. Helen's Etude. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. There you go. (laughs) And not too bad, and and you know like uh, Pony Girl and things like they're they're not yeah. full, they're not full songs in that sort of like you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus verse sort of thing. It is, mm-hmm. it it the, the things just sort of flow in and out. And without, I'm not usually a huge fan of cast albums that have tons of dialogue on them. I've sort of come 180 Same. degrees on that in my in my theater fan life. <laughs> and but like this, like you say, it's crucial to even understand. Like, you wouldn't just play Helen's Etude and then have Judy Kuhn go, maybe not right now. Like, that wouldn't make any sense yeah. without understanding what the dialogue scene is that's happening, you know, 10 feet away from her. It's also, like, not Jekyll and Hyde. Like, it's pretty pleasant, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even even the dark stuff is, because Janine is a genius in that way, like, framing it all in this fairly palatable way that I think that, like, that's why we're able to listen to the dialogue in the songs is because it's, like... Easy on the ear. Well, and the callbacks are so subtle, and mm-hmm. so like there are there aren't reprises again in this. There's there there are verses and, and lines and things that are called back to or motifs or reprise. But like the thing that devastates me <laughs> every every literally not a joke. I mean, I've listened to this album. What is it? Twenty twenty one. So like seven years I've been listening to this album. Yeah, I know every single inch of it, and party dress kills me in a way that like I can't fully articulate how devastating that scene is with the callback to Helen's etude with maybe not right with the you you see like that that very relatable abuse I think in that moment like that very subtle Mm -hmm. simple emotional abuse that parents do uh, and it can go one of several different ways from there, but like it's a starting point for that, obviously. And then her, I mean, just the the, the heartbreak of, right. of Sydney Lucas singing, maybe not right now, just like absolutely wrecks you in that in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> just lays me right out. Uh, and then to go right into changing my major, mm-hmm. right, which is just like you know, a totally different. <laughs> the song, song of that year. <laughs> I mean, Ring of Keys, sure, but for for especially like a woman and coming out of a certain time. That was just a song. I think it still will be the song for college auditions for the next 10 years. <laughs> I never lost control due to overwhelming lust, but I must say that I'm changing my major to Joan. I'm changing my major to sex with Joan. I'm changing my major to sex with Joan with a minor in kissing Joan. For and study to Joan's inner thighs, a seminar on Joan's ass in her Levi's and Joan's crazy brown eyes. It's really tactile. Like you, when you are in there and when you're listening, the way he's describing the damask like mm-hmm. print mm-hmm. on the fabric. Yeah. Everything is so incredibly like see it. And then she's like calling back, it all comes back, it all comes back. I'm like, yeah, it's it's coming back to us too. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that might be some of like the the realism that you're physically seeing, you're hearing it, and um it's just being presented. And I think the sort of fractured narrative helps that in a in a lot of ways because it's not relying on the traditional you know, arc of the characters. We see each character, each version of Allison, medium, regular, and, and small, hits their apexes at different moments. So like we say, like, in what would be in the traditional story structure, like, act one moment get, goes to medium Allison with changing my major. 
And then the act two moment kind of goes to small Allison with ring of keys. And then of course we have to give the big moment to regular Allison with telephone wire to have her like realization. Um, and so it, 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 it has this sort of allowing the character being out of time gives you permission to have these tiny moments, to have these little scenes, to have this little, these little setups and things. Um, Cause it is thematic. And of course it's, it's that really, I mean, something that I've heard you talk about on your podcast and I'm, I'm sure is in, in, in every, every writer's work is, Oh God, am I my parents? And that is definitely like what this whole show is about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's right in there from the beginning is, is you know, I'm the one who's 43 and stuff. Stuck. Oh, my God. And then they actually on wire being like, how does it feel to know that you and I are both get? Yeah, <laughs> she right. doesn't even get it out. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, oh, right. it's just it's so well, and it doesn't because it doesn't do that either. It's so like you say it's tactile. It's also oddly not sentimental but has great sentiment. Mm -hmm. You know, she does ultimately love her father. Like that's the yeah. the hook of it. Yeah. But parents teach us to do. That's mm -hmm. how they teach us to love things. So her presenting this story in this way that is so distant that we have to kind of like discern for ourselves, but then like she'll she'll say things like really harshly and then at the same time we're just kind of like left above it. Mhm. Mm you know, I, I just think that like that's that might be part of how she's just committed to <laughs> storytelling and loving and and talking about her family because that's how they taught her to love and talk about things. It really does feel like somebody trying to figure something out. We've all seen shows where people like the premise is, especially one person shows of trying to figure out something about like you know, and it just kind of ends up feeling a little like. Ugh. You know, but like this really does feel like the way we think about things. It like it, it hops around. We take it apart. We look at this scene. We take it apart. Okay, we put that away. Maybe we'll come back to it. But it really feels like she's trying to figure out. And it's a very simple question: Am I just like you? <laughs> Which the subtext, yeah. of course, with the great stakes, the subtext being like: Am I going to kill myself? I mean, there's the sort of like subtext to that question that I think is wisely kept in the subtext. It's never overtly. She's just trying to understand, you know, what what it was that drove him. But I'm really interested as somebody who's read the book, if you had the experience I did when I read the book, which is Bruce Bechtel is, I mean, the best thing I can say about him is he was a complicated person. <laughs> That's sort of the nicest way I can yeah. phrase that. But he was a real piece of work. <laughs> like the musical really... Oh. The book, he's such an ass. But in the show, because Michael Servers is like God, yeah. <laughs> the best uh, to me, you know, uh, having someone devastate you is having them presented as a saint first. Mm, and mm -hmm. and the way that he can do that in all the things that he does. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm sorry, tangentially. I, this is not a drop. I swear to you, it's not a name drop. <laughs> but you can talk about I, Robbie. What are we gonna? What are we talking about? Dude, can you? Oh my god, can you imagine? Um, <laughs> not not today. He wishes. Um, I famously went to the I uh, the premiere of Ant Man two, and I only mention that to say <laughs> that I was there to like schmooze and like be mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Carpet. Blah blah blah. Sure. They were the, one of the uh, this also sounds ridiculous. One of my handlers was walking me around to, to meet whatever, mm -hmm. whomever. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Paul Rudd. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, he's great. Um, Michael Douglas, like you, uh, you know, had cancer from me. So, um, right. The next <laughs> truly. And said it. Yeah. Um, I was shaking meeting Michael Cerberus because he is in that film as a villain at the very end. Right. And I was like, I'm sorry, just like your work is like so important to me. <laughs> and I was so excited. And like, what a freaking rock star sweetheart mm. he was to me. And I just talked about like that character. And I was like, I don't mean to take up your night. Right. But like, this is so important to me. And I think theatrically and like everything you've done is important. But like that I could watch. And he was like, I would do that every day. 
Like yeah. I would do that show every day. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah, he you is could. such a it is such an interesting character that Janine and Lisa kind of built out of mm-hmm. the real person and then also Allison's perception, obviously, of 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 the real person. Um Right. And I think one of the smartest things they did was create that scene at the beginning with small Allison and him going through the box of junk because the book opens with him, like beating the kids and like pulling them out of church. Like it's a really weird, you know, Allison Bechtel starts with a pretty hard memory and then colors it in. That's sort of her thing. And they wisely are like, this is a show. Like you say, we need to have sympathy for him and like him a little, and then we can tear him apart later. And you'll, remember the early feeling of how nice he was and he's challenging yeah. but you know it's funny the song that um uh, the one with all the worlds the edges of the world the edges of the world mm-hmm. is the one i skip the most really oh, dear Al. i'm scared i had a life i thought i understood i took it and i squeezed out every bit of life i could But the edges of the world that held me up have gone away And I'm falling into nothingness or flying into something so sublime And I'm a man, I don't know who am I now or do I go I can't go back, I can't find my way through I might still break a heart or two when the sunlight hits the parlor wall at certain times of day, I see how fine this house could be. I see it so damn clear. Oh my God, why am I standing Yeah, because oh. I was like, I don't know if we're going to because you and I both obviously very much love it. Very much. But I have to call out the fact that, like, bizarrely, I love Michael Service's voice. I obviously love the music of the show. Right. That one, I just I feel maybe it's so chaotic. The orchestrations are so chaotic for me that I actually get stressed out and I don't want to listen to it. See, that's very I would I would totally agree with like it's that. not a bad yeah. song i just like literally oh, have to skip it i think it's a remarkable song <laughs> like, no it is like but i think i just like can't listen to it. that's so funny it's it's a song that like well see that's interesting that you say that because one of the first things i i experienced while listening to it and that song specifically was the structurelessness of that song even though it is very structured like if you pay close attention it feels it's all over the place. You know, I, I so I, yes, it is a very stressful and chaotic song. The, but I, that was funny you mentioned the orchestration specifically because the orchestrations for that song just blow me away at how down to the the, the horn sound at the at the finale is a remarkable piece of composition to get that tone out of, you know, two I guess it's a ce- like two cellos, I think I'm not sure a cello and a, a viola mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like that exact right car horn sound without it being a car horn is it's oh god it's devastating so good it's so it is devastating. really devastating it's beautiful um i just uh can't do it <laughs> can't do it i like that no, but i'm not but i'm not gonna do it so in 2014 when you saw this show in in, in on broadway where were you in your in your career, in your sort of development? Um, 2014, I was, I had only been in the city, New York City for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, like about a year. I was, uh, I I was working a lot of jobs. I was trying to survive. Like I very much had, I thought that I would be in a better place mentally. And I was like, okay, well, if I, if I say for this, like once a month, I could see like a show or mm-hmm. um, maybe I could save up to take a class somewhere. And I hadn't started doing stand up or uh, I had started improv class, I think, improvising, mm-hmm. um, which was a horrible choice uh, because oh, really? I, oh my God, I suck so bad. I'm so bad at that. Why? Um, <laughs> because I can't, because I'm, because I'm a, 
I'm not a control freak, but like in a group setting, I can't predict. I like to plan and like you can't plan improv because right. it's um it's improvised. Right. They didn't tell me that at the start. <laughs> okay. Because I thought, okay, there are a set of rules. I was at UCB. I was working with like, you know, Amy Poehler's people. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is the fast track for SNL. That was like always my dream. And so I was doing it. And then they were like, okay, so like, here's the game premise. But then like, you know, you guys have fun with it. And I was like, no, 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 no fun. No fun, please. I would like to know when we <laughs> laugh. <laughs> so I just found it very stressful and I wasn't great at it, but I'm glad that I went through the classes because I think that they're helpful in life. But um, so that's where I was mentally. Hmm. Um, I was definitely starved for like the, the previous year was like my very big Hedwig year. Mm, um, mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite of all time. What's funny and strange now that we're just like mm, talking about it on my right side not to be graphic um i have like the origin of love uh symbol from mm-hmm. hedwig and the angry itch mm-hmm. tattoo and i had planned on thy left side i haven't found the right tattoo artist um but i the, you know the the last frame of um allison leaning on the like kind of like the gate uh, yeah. with Bruce standing uh-huh. right there. Yeah. Um, that's what I want on the other side of oh, me. Oh, <laughs> wow. I, I just, I love that image so much. Much Also, my father's name is Bruce. And like, oh. I just, again, yeah. <laughs> like I said, it was This like does go deep with much. you, doesn't it? Jeez. <laughs> this show is a little much. Um, <laughs> did I write Alison Bechtel a full letter talking about like how much her work meant to me and like where I was in life and like all that stuff? Cool. Has she written back? No. <laughs> but she will one day. One day. Um, but yeah, that's where I was kind of uh, when I when I saw it. 2014 seems so long ago, doesn't it? It does. It does. I was digging through my stuff to get the playbill out. Oh, my And it was God. much deeper in the box than I thought it was going to be. That was my experience. It was like, this wasn't that long ago. And I'm like, oh, no, I only had one kid when I saw this show. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. You know what I got from Broadway Flea Market three years ago? What? Was the public fun home poster that I have now? Ah, the red and blue and and, and the red and blue, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I but, love that image. I mean, what they went with with the yellow mm-hmm. is really great. It looks great on my mug. Um, I have the mug but too. I, I like, yeah, you got the mug. Got the you, mug. you have to have the mug. I wanted the mug. I don't know why. It's like I want the mug. That's what I want. For this. Yeah, because it's a colorful mug, and everybody else at mm-hmm. like the theater, bookshops, and whatnot, they yeah. give you a white mug with a label. How dare they? No creativity. You know who had a great mug that I broke accidentally once Ooh. on this island? Theater in oh, the Square. I believe. Yeah, so, yeah. Circle in the called. Square. Yeah. Circle in the Square. They've got their mug game on luck. So when did you sw- sort of switch over to, to writing and, and more, you know, stand up and that sort of aspect oh, from being I an stopped, actress? I, I wasn't booking anything. <laughs> I was like, I mean, literally, I just said, you know, like, why, why should I wait? for performance opportunities and why should I it's not that I was like I want to be on stage so I should write something for myself it was more so like I have all these creative things in my head and I kept watching tv shows movies plays and I kept going well see I've got I think I've got a story about whatever but like why can't they tell it the way I want to tell it Mm -hmm. why why am I not seeing a, a show on tv written how I want to do that. And it's like, you have to like get off your ass then. <laughs> and do it yourself. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> so um, that's, I think uh, in like 2017, I started taking class at the Barrow group, which is where uh, Seth Barish teaches. And he directs a lot of Mike Birbiglia solo work, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really fascinated with like that kind of trajectory because Mike is kind of a standup, but very much like a storyteller and performer. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I like that i'm mm-hmm. always drawn to like whatever that is and i think it's also like a southern heritage part of me because southern people love talking <laughs> and i and i, I kind of love that yeah so um that's that's kind of how that started i was just like working all the time and i still had things to talk about and um i wanted to be able to do that and share things so and, and was it when you started doing it, was it sort of like right away? They're like, oh, this is what I, this is, this is the thing. This is what I like Well, to I do. still, no. Well, no. I still don't think, even this year, like, you know, I, I just got to do, and by the time this comes out, like, um, I will have put up my solo show mm-hmm. on a streaming platform because I was granted this like playwriting scholarship uh, performance opportunity from She ATL through She NYC Arts. And they were like, you've been selected as a playwright. And I like submitted my script and stuff. And then I was like, oh, wait, 
like they're not selecting me as a performer. They're selecting my piece of writing. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I've ever been credited or felt like I was a writer because I was mm. literally validated and called a playwright. Like I was in, like we were on a zoom mm -hmm. with other playwrights and, you were and they're like, these are the playwrights. And I was like, well, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I just stand up there. No, no, no. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but you wrote the thing yeah, that you, you do. And down. I was like, right, yeah. technically that's true. <laughs> right. Hey. So I don't, I don't, I still have imposter syndrome about it. Um, so I don't know when that will go away, but maybe well, if but, I like get like a fat check. Sure. No, that only makes <laughs> it worse. The, uh, well, but, but in terms of personally, like, I mean, you found it to be satisfying obviously yeah. to, to write and to, to perform the things you had written that sort of scratched a more than it, like more than the itch of just, I haven't been performing. I need to perform something. And so I'll write it because no one else will. Like it really does ha seem to have a fulfillment. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think it actually does tie into the Allison of it all mm. because reading her books, actually both books, because I know that you've read um, Are You My Mother, yeah. mm -hmm. like reading them in tandem, I was like, oh my God, like she didn't like she realized like there's more to that story, even though it could have been like done. There's also this other side. And honestly, she could come out with like five other sequels to that and I would read them all Oh um, yeah, because she found a way to tell her stories through her perspectives and also like other people, um, like her in the therapy scenes and stuff, uh, drawing them. And I've always been an illustrator as well. Mm. And so like, not in the same, <laughs> I am not comparing myself to her. Like she is a graphic novelist. She's incredible. But I just mean to say that like doodling, writing, finding a hundred other ways to write other than physically standing at a keyboard mm -hmm. writing has been really life-changing for me. And so once I read those books, I was able to go, oh, like, but what if I just recorded myself? Because I get scared to like open up a Word document and like write something. Cause sure. I think that that's pretentious. That sounds psychotic, <laughs> but I was just like, but I literally, cause I'm like, what What am I smoking a cigarette? Like Joni, like who am I? I'm not, I'm not sticking my head in my oven. Like Sylvia, like I'm not a writer. Um, I'm not interesting enough, me, you know? Mm. Um, and so I was like, okay, what if I just record myself into my phone? That's, that's something. So it's like cheating. And so yeah, right. It is a hundred percent cheating. And I loved every second of it. Um, literally the first time I submitted my script, uh, to she ATL, mm -hmm. I was, um, listening to myself and then just like typing out what I remember saying, um, <laughs> from my voice memos. So I didn't ever really write a script. I just kind of like wrote a summary of what, <laughs> what I say. Mm -hmm. Um, but but getting to see all of these, especially women, uh, write in a way that is not conventional for me has mm -hmm. been really helpful to like say that there's no one way to do something. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And it, it's it's a funny yeah. there's this uh, something I would like we've talked about a lot on the show and that, that I, mm -hmm. I wrestle with sort of every day is the concept of like in order to be a performer, a writer, whatever, you have to have that little bit of um you know, arrogance to say <laughs> what I do is good. You should watch it or you should read it. You know what I mean? Like you have to have that little bit. This business is like, you're your own cheerleader. You're your own press agent. Yeah. And I love doing press and like PR for other people. I like live off of that. That's like, uh, that's one of my side houses is like doing social media cre creation and content for other people. And I'm like, I could sell the dick out of anything but myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, hate the, I hate the me of it. And so having to do all this, you know, publicity in a way like social wise um, for like my piece of writing has been really bizarre. Mm -hmm. But I also have to go like, okay, well, like, how does everyone else deal with it? They just deal with it. So yeah. um yeah, I just well, uh, and you just yeah, you just have to do it. You just and it's that I I my sort of thought is like as long as I'm worried that I'm coming off as a jerk, I'm not coming off as a jerk. Like as long as that's in my head of being like, I'm really yeah. afraid this is too far. So it's probably well, okay, I, you know. I think about all these mediocre people that like absolutely love promoting themselves, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I mean, if they can do that, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when. When you – what do you look for when you see something like Fun Home? Do you immediately start to dissect it, absorb it, like tear it to pieces, really get everything you can possibly get out of it? Or, or you know, is that is that sort of your personality for it? Or do you like let it sit with you and, and, and you know, you get the cast album, but you sort of digest it on your own pace and then eventually go, hey, this was really great? When something has struck me like that, 
Mm-hmm. I have to go invest every dollar I can into finding out like more. Like I, mm-hmm. I think I immediately found a bookstore near me that carried uh, her graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And then I immediately found out like the next time I could enter a lottery or Mm -hmm. get the album. Like I, I I just was like, I need to, I need to see it again. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this happened when I was, I I can't think of a more recent time, but it happened at groundhog day when I was at the very first preview Mm. and I went, Oh, Oh, wait. Like, and, and by the way, they had to stop the show halfway through because the turn right. styles like did not work. Right. So they did the rest of the show as a concert and half the audience left and I got to stay and it was really great. Like, it was like fascinating to like hear the music because they were all having to like, they didn't have muscle memory. They were sitting doing the show sits probe mm-hmm. like, and that is a hard show to do because it all is the same repeated, but also just a little different every single time right. um, that, you know, they sing a song. And I just was like, I, I maybe I need to rewatch that movie. Oh, the musical's way better than the movie. Okay. Um, I had to go back to see the show. I want to, I want to see it again and like, see what I liked and then see what I missed and then see what I'm like. Oh, th- I, I don't know that that works actually. Like mm. I love to be able to not tear it apart, but to be able to be like, what, what is it that made me obsess over that? If mm-hmm. you can like find the, thing and i think that when i was at fun home the thing that i kept returning to was all of adult allison's like conversations with herself drawing Mm -hmm. and then being like i'm trying to i'm trying to figure it out like she was like i'm trying to paint this map i'm trying to you know why can't you see me and i had a very similar car ride to the telephone wire scene that absolutely breaks me that i when i listen to that song i'm like how can you not like, how, why don't you just say it? Like when you're at a show and you're like, oh, just say it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a real life place when you're like, I can't even say it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do that. And so watching her do that was so insanely cathartic. And um, just the constant, just like verbal and then physical. I was after that, I was like, Beth Malone, what can't you do? <laughs> so true. good. Very, very true. There's not because there's not an easy part in this show. There's no, not a even Joel Perez is like bringing it. Yeah, and they have to. You've got to match that. And also, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, there's three kids in the show first of all, which is never easy for for anybody. But like, you know, the the the, the, the even the supporting, you know, the cast like like uh, is just like. I mean, Joel Perez plays what five characters in this yeah. show uh-huh. and they're all wildly different characters right? <laughs> and they're also wildly different in terms of our sympathy you know like they're they're oh yeah they're not even the same kind of type i mean you go from you know him playing the the the, the, the kid who comes over to help sweep up to you know the yeah. the grieving family member to then singing raincoat of love like it and it's just and what is that <laughs> moment all about you know what i mean like it's just he's... used to be my uh, early morning alarm <laughs> Raincoat of love. Ba, 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 ba. Like, can you imagine what a what a lovelier song to wake up to? Today I woke up with a feeling that I did not recognize. Oh, our happy life seemed far away, and everything was made of lies. The sky was turning dark when, baby, I looked in your eyes, and that's when I knew. the telephone wire was sort of the, was that the most personal song for you in the show or was it just sort of all happening kind of at once when you were watching it um i think well uh yeah probably yeah uh don't worry my dad is not secretly gay um that's not part of my story yeah. um but uh i think that that one was the most where i went oh my god word for word mm-hmm. this is crazy like mm-hmm. i just like 
watching and then also the staging of it which i'm like giving a visual sorry this is a podcast mm-hmm. um but like where where there you're getting to kind of see a 360 view of this car ride that these yeah. two are taking mm-hmm. allison and bruce and um having adult allison who was definitely not an adult when this took place right is so powerful being in the scene because we always see her outside of it yeah. we always see her like not dealing with bruce and oh, then so, and then we get yeah. to see her do that because even though <laughs> That's teen Allison, technically. Right. Um, because she's not even 21, they're going to a bar. Right. Like, I I just it, it's really heartbreaking. And I think that the one that I actually now as I get older, I'm not old, but as I get You're older, older seven years ago. The yeah, one yeah. the one that keeps revisiting my heart is days and days mm-hmm. because I can I can feel it's like I'm my own mom in that sense. Mm-hmm. And like hearing uh just also the the metaphor the plight of women that have dealt with any any level of like just you know put your head down and move on mm-hmm. just don't even don't look at it don't look at, if it's not there you don't if you can't see it it's not happening right you know all of that which has been just kind of like the course of anybody that's dealt with any kind of abuse um has been the one that i'm like that might be to me the most if we're gonna level it the most powerful song in the show sure because i'm like i don't know i don't know what this story is without it oh yeah and it's such a great addition i mean you can tell that lisa crone and and janita sorry but i think especially lisa crone was was had really dug through both books because helen isn't really a major character in fun home she's in it and she does things but there's no scene like that in fun home those scenes are in are you my mother which is all about Helen. And just, uh, by the way, gang, if you can only read one, I, I suggest yeah. read Are You My Mother. It is just, man. It's by both. So, I mean, by both. By I both and read both. I lend it out to people all the time. Whenever people ask for my Fun Home copy, mm-hmm. I give them both. And I go, don't you return should, it. Unless- because like, my experience was reading Fun Home, I immediately wanted to read Are You My Mother. Like It was just a, like, I want to know as much about this as I possibly can, and I want to know more about these characters. And... Are You My Mother as a book is a lot more meandery. It's a lot more like the musical. It kind of wanders all over their relationship a little bit more. And it is a much more interesting relationship because it, it it goes through a lot more peaks and valleys in sort of tangible ways. It's very, very fascinating. But the song Days really comes out of that book, of that character yeah. of, of, of Helen. And it that yeah. idea – I mean I think Days and Days and Telephone Wire are the two songs that I think anybody can relate to. Oh, yeah. As you get older, especially as you get a sense of time, because your telephone Mm -hmm. wire is the one that like does really lay me out. Um, First of all, in the the staging, like you say, like the moment I cannot express to you, dear listener, (laughs) the moment when Bruce turns to Allison, not medium Allison and says, are you ready to go? I knew it was going to happen and it killed me. It just absolutely killed me. It it is such a like. It, it's so hard to express like how scared Beth Malone looked in that moment. Like she was really well, going to do think, this. I think everyone in, in ever has had an experience with someone, whether that's a relationship or a family member and all they're asking to, all they're asking of their person is to be seen. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what she's uh, like the Christian of the music. She's like, I just want you to see me. And yeah. it's like, how can, how can anybody not be like, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's what it is for me. Like you, you don't have to have had a gay father that committed suicide. Right. You don't have to have had that. Yeah. It didn't have to happen for you to not be like, I, I felt heard and seen by that scene where she's just asking. Well, and it's the way she, from a, from a writing. I mean, first of all, it's the part of the, the musical that I'm most jealous of as a writer because right. one, it's the switch of the narrator. That moment, I'm like, "Well, that's brilliant! God damn it! You're like, right. stupid, <laughs> you did that! Like, oh, I'm so mad at you. It's gorgeous. You deserve everything you get for it." Um, yeah. But it's also the way the lyrics progress. Where in the be- first two choruses, she's very mad at herself. She's saying to Allison, "Say something. Talk to him." But yeah. at the end, she gets it. I'm gonna cry. She gets it right. In that, like, he's the parent. It's his job to talk to her. Hey, did I mention that new project I've taken on? Oh, you've seen it out. That old house out on Route 150? It's been standing out there empty 40, 50 years at least. Telephone wire, stop too fast. Telephone wire, make this not the past. This car ride, this is where it has to happen. There must be some other chances. There's a moment I'm forgetting where you 
one. Famously, famously, children of, and this is like a thing that I've like understood in therapy is like children of people that are addicts and or um, abusive in any way Mm -hmm. um, are often parented by the youngest child. Mm. (laughs) So like hearing that and then like also your interpretation of all of that is like spot on with um, what I think is really honest writing from everybody that's on board with that and like Sam Gold's direction of it is like just so killer and yeah. so um yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's true there's only i mean it's one of those things that i've, I've discovered talking having a podcast where you talk about shows and movies and things is like there's a certain point where you're just like it's really good like it's just really good <laughs> yeah we what... have to like literally give up we have to move on because what else we're just gonna say? say it's brilliant <laughs> i want to ask you about your podcast actually i want to ask okay. you about that first um tell me about tell me on a sunday Sure. Um, so I, I had wanted to do it's, uh, that's the name of my podcast. I've got like two seasons of it out now. Um, still into the second season. First season wasn't even supposed to end, but like the pandemic happened and like my life happened. And so I was like, I should pause. Uh, but I started the podcast because I noticed that even like as an actor performer, I have had the exciting privilege to be a part of, and also, have watched a lot of my friends on a lot of podcasts and on a lot of interview shows. And they literally all ask the same like 10 questions. Mm -hmm. And then I hear everyone answer the exact same way Mm -hmm. of being like, and I know, you know what I'm talking about. It drives me nuts being like, okay, tell me about this project. Okay. Um, you know, like when did you start performing? And I'm not saying that like any of those questions are bad. I just kept realizing that everybody was answering. It's more so about the people answering. They would answer within like, you know, 30 seconds of being like, and then this, and then this, and then mm-hmm. this. They have it and down to I a was patter. Like, they've know? got it down. Yeah. yeah, it's like a pitter patter. And I was like, you know, I'm just, I, I find so, I find it so much more interesting that when I have like a late night party or something at my house, people go into these diatribe stories and I'm like that's fascinating to me that is so much fun I would much rather listen to a show like with performers with with artists with like so many different types of spectrum people um if I could just like hear their stories I think that's so much more compelling there's a reason we all used to tune into freaking Oprah Mm -hmm. you know um is because we'd be like what's that story they didn't care about like them being on Jimmy Fallon being like my show comes out on Hulu on March 28th like (laughs) So I just decided to do that because like, listen, it didn't cost me hardly anything. You know, that's the great thing about podcasts is that they can be as under or overproduced as you want them Mm -hmm. to be. Um, You're kind of in charge of that. So I knew that that could be an outlet for me uh, to get to talk to people and, and hopefully encourage others to talk about things and not not so much like it's not a like heartbreaking upsetting like you know life altering <laughs> stories but a lot of times you well, know sometimes it's like it fun is. Don't, you know sometimes yeah, well, so, well, and, yeah, and yeah. sometimes it is sometimes it is. uh but it can be so many things and so uh that's kind of how that started and where it's going and i get to it's it's my show so i get to do whatever i want sometimes mm-hmm. i'll tell a story in third person which is how i started yes <laughs> season yes. being like where am i um and then sometimes i get to talk to my friends about the time that uh, they tried to hug John Gallagher Jr. at a at a roundabout party, and then they missed, and uh, they can't get over it. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> um, yes, I did listen to your episode on Spring Awakening because you know how much I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I just think that that's fun, and I get to kind of play around with it, and I'm still doing it. So, uh, thanks for asking, and thanks for listening. No, to of course, it. I really yeah, it. it's it's a lot of it's it's a very, you know, it, it is a very different kind of show. Which I very much, as you could imagine, someone who absorbs a lot of podcasts, um, greatly respect and love. Good. <laughs> and it's, so good. you know, the, the, the tone of it is so nice. I just really, really like the sort of, when it pops up in the feed, I'm like, oh, good, it's back. You did knock me on my butt with your, th- your season two oh. fin- premiere, but in a good way. In a good way. I listened to it in pieces. I texted, and also Robbie will tell you. I texted Robbie a bunch, being like, "Oh my god!" Like, have you listened to this yet? Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, but it yeah, was, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't listen to it, so I have no idea. I'm sure you didn't, and I, I will. But I will say, and I don't know if I'll include this in the show or not. But it, like, sure, it sure, is. Sure. It was that was a really awesome thing that you did, and I, Thanks. I think it was important. Quick question: What is your favorite version of the song "Tell Me Honestly"? <gasps> oh, it's Bernadette Peters.
Sorry, the correct answer is Marty Webb. I'm really sorry. That was the <laughs> wrong. Don't write a letter when you want to leave. Don't call me at 3 a.m. from a friend's apartment I'd like to choose. How I hear the news. Take me to a park that's Covered with trees Tell me on a Sunday please. I'm so sorry Oh, well, actually, my computer's name is Bernadette Peters. Uh, my so first it is a Bernadette Peters thing Bernadette for you, though. Peters. Yeah, that was the... Was so it's a, yeah, it's okay. a burn thing. It's Because I, I love Sunday in the Park, and I didn't want to call it Sunday in the Park, so I was like, different Sunday, same Bernadette. Same Bernadette, that's Tell me good. on a Sunday. Tell me on a Sunday. But, oh, you love Marty Webb. I do. I really like... Okay. I got I love... I mean, again, I'm a human being. I love Bernadette Peters. But uh, <laughs> I live in this world. But uh, there's something about... Two things. The first being, I think the first time you hear a cast album or anything like that, those versions of the song get kind of imprinted on you in a certain way. You're you're so right. And it's not that it can't it can't be overcome because they have. You know, there's there. I've heard versions of like the, I think the revival, the the latest revival of How to Succeed is, is like my favorite version of that show more than the Matthew Broderick and the and the and the Robert Morse ones that I did definitely hear in high school. Can I give you a, a shout out about that just like sure. quickly? Go ahead. Not that specifically, but like hearing a song by somebody else and being like, oh, that's better. Yeah. Um, the guilty ones from Spring awakening by leslie odom jr on his album Ooh, holy crap okay that has replaced in my mind any other guilty ones really that has ever existed oh, i really want you to listen to it because like the orchestration it's just jazzy it's sexy it's just like oh my god yeah that's how i want to hear that song every time now and now our bodies are the guilty ones who touch and color the hours I also want to ask you, of course, about the show I'm excited to see, which is To Free a Mockingbird. Oh, you're going to watch of it? Of course I'm going to watch it. <laughs> of course I am. Thanks. Absolutely oh, I am. That means a lot. I have been, I've been working on that show for like two years now, I guess, because pandemic time, so maybe three. Right. Um, but again, it was just, uh, I went into a class with said Seth Barish that I talked about earlier, very, uh, really smart, cool guy. And um, he, it was a storytelling class. It was literally a, um, a solo show workshop. And mm-hmm. so he said, just like, bring in a story, anything, and then we'll talk about all the things. <laughs> and so I just brought in this story about a brick, uh, just a story about a brick in my family. And then he goes, okay, so like, what's the boom curtain of that? And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, can you end it there? Is that where that story ends for you? And I was like, oh, no. Mm. So, like, I went home. And so I started, like, going, like, okay, this part in my family and, like, this. Because the whole show, the whole play is, like, a, it, I, I frame it kind of, like, as a stand-up show. Because mm-hmm. I could feel comfortable holding a microphone. I think that um, not holding anything and just, like, acting out the play felt like a little, like, 700 Sundays Billy Crystal of me, which did not feel authentic. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, well, if I frame it like a stand-up show, I will trick myself into thinking I'm not putting on a play. Because, again, I thought that will feel pretentious. Mm-hmm. So, but somehow telling jokes wasn't. <laughs> so 
I just kind of put together all these stories with my family about like, not about anything. I just thought these might be related and then they very much are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't realize it. I just thought like these have always stuck out to me. Uh, And then my director friend who uh, I found in that class as well, Kate Robarts, who had worked on other solo projects was like, you're not in this at all. And I was like, what? And she was like, there's no story about you. And I'm like, well, it's all about me, I guess, because I'm part, I'm part of that family. <laughs> she was like, no. So she was, uh, she's right. I was like, well, I don't want to talk about me as mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Um, right. And so she said, like, OK, if you're telling these two stories, you've got to tell this third. And so mm. uh, that's kind of how it came to be. And now it's at this point where it's gotten I've done a couple of workshops of it with just some like random friends and like getting to do it at like a artist and res- residency at the bear group. And then I, I submitted the quote script, which was me talking into my voice memos <laughs> um, and then like, you know, transposing it. Uh, and then it got picked up by she ATL as one of their uh, play selections, which was really, really cool. And instead of, because we're in pandemic times, instead of doing a full run of it, they said, what if we took our financial resources and had a, like a full pro tape of it for one show. Mm-hmm. And then we can stream it. I was like, yeah, that's the future. That's genius. Mm-hmm. Like they have been insanely like on it, super smart, amazing women. Like I'm, I'm really obsessed with them. And I was singing their praises the other day. And I just want to reiterate that, like, this has been one of the best theatrical experiences of my life. Like they are so supportive. Like there was, I was in the, I was legitimately, I was in a police station for six hours one day that I was supposed to do tech oh, wow. dealing with a whole other thing. <laughs> Um, like a whole other whole thing, other, you know, different, yeah, right. a, like a, a cut it TRO, like a temporary restraining order. And, um, <laughs> I, I went into tech and I was like, I don't know that I could emotionally perform like twice today. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do the tech and I want to respect everyone's time. They're like, that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. We, you don't have to like, you can, do you want to just sit? Do you want to sit and do the show? And I was like, <laughs> Okay, they're like we want to set lights but we also want to so i say all that to say is like you know supporting people is so great and i'm excited to present the show it will have already come out but i hope that it gets picked up to do other things because i am now proud of it a little bit but i'm also like excited about the idea that other people will do things and Mm -hmm. like this um and not feel limited by like well this is how you write a script and this is how you perform and stuff just like Honestly, when I saw Fun Home, I was like, it can be done like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm copying it all. It's just like when someone breaks the mold of what you think a musical or a story or a play is supposed to be, like, it's just so eye opening as a performer, as a person who writes things, per- like, you know, it just all around. Um, I-, I hope that uh, just like that podcast episode, I hope that someone hears it and says, like, oh, cool, I can talk about that now. So, so good. I have to ask, though, before we yeah. completely wrap up. Uh, What is your favorite song? I think that I used to blast on the subway telephone wire. Sure. And I find myself now returning to flying away as all of the Allisons. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I love, I love being like, oh, this is this. And then this is that harmony and like singing it all together. Um, I think that flying away is one of the most perfect songs. It's all, I think we could say every song in that show is a perfect song yes but the the actual climax in my opinion of the show is when she says um and there's a brief moment of happiness when he sort or she's sort of above above him him. yeah yeah that to me is the climax of that show and so i just i i just i get goosebumps even now even saying Mm -hmm. it like i just get so excited and warm um at the idea that she she told us she she led us into that Mm -hmm. um and so I think it's just a beautiful song. Grace, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for for doing this. And we did it. We got it together. We really <laughs> did it, Joe. We I can't believe it. <laughs> it I'm really happy. Happened. Thank you so much. I was I was so excited when um we started like the back and forth mm-hmm. because I got to listen to your show and stuff. And and of course, like, you know, we love Robin Rizzo. We do. Um <laughs> we have a, a mutual love. Yeah. Uh but no, this was so great and and uh I love the format of all of this, especially like your joyful nature of talking about these things is like I gravitate towards it so much because I find that there's so much in the theater 
sphere of like, let's let's take this down. And I'm oh, like, yeah, no. shut up. No, we don't do that here. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a celebration. There's enough of that. The world is trying hard enough to kill us all. I don't need to like. And it and sometimes it succeeds. Sometimes it does. But um, I really appreciate this. This was really, really fun. Put your feature like this. Daddy, do what I say. There you are, Daddy. Take my hand, give me yours. Bend your knees, not that way. There when I say go, you start are. pushing me up. Okay. Don't let go yet. Okay, honey. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Grace Aki for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsals. Every so often there was a rare moment of perfect balance when I soared above him.